March has been designated as a pregnancy after loss month. So during March, we've been talking with two mothers who have experienced neonatal pregnancy loss or a stillbirth. Last episode, they shared their stories of loss and how they dealt with that. Today, they will share their stories about how they honor their infants, how they help their children understand the loss, and how they support mothers and families who experience the loss of a child. Please join us. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Thank you for joining us for the follow-up episode with Julie and Laura Lee. I am your host, Deanne Taylor. I will introduce our guests again. They're amazing. My first guest is Julie Cangiolosi, who is a wife, mother, nonprofit founder, and best-selling author. She is the proud mother of Landon and Elle and two guardian angels. Julie and her husband, James, experienced two pregnancy losses, and those experiences inspired them to channel their pain into purpose. Together, they created their nonprofit, Operation Little Angel 101, Hope After Loss, to help couples when they need it most. We're glad to have you with us, Julie. Well, thank you so much for having me today. My next guest is Laura Lee Hill. She grew up on a sheep farm in rural Idaho, but moved to Utah when she married Jay Hill. Together, they have five children for living. When her children were older, Laura Lee went back to school and is delighted to be a second grade teacher. She loves watching cooking shows, entertaining, reading, volunteering, doing family history, and trying every flavor at Baskin Robbins. Welcome, Laura Lee. Thank you so much, Deanne. I appreciate both of you for joining us here again. Julie, in the last episode, you shared your experience of having two miscarriages within 16 months. You also talked about how you tried coping with the loss and how it impacted the relationship between you and your husband, James. Can you share some of your journey with us again? I started journaling. I started coloring with adult coloring books because it would take my mind away from things. I would find other ways to be able to cope together. We would find new activities to do, James and I, so we could have new memories and try to rebuild because after a loss, and especially after two losses back to back, and it was our first two pregnancies, there's a high rate for depression and totally understandable. But there's also a super high rate of divorce or separation because it puts an incredible amount of stress and strain on a marriage. And I have to say my husband has been my biggest rock even before this, but during that moment and still to today, he's been incredible. And I would not honestly have been able to get through any of that without him. Now, our story 
does have a happy ending. I know you know, but the audience may not. But we have also been blessed with two other beautiful children. Landon, who is now eight, who is super inquisitive and gets into everything. And Elle is my blonde mini-me. And she is six. And they are both the light of our lives. And they know all about our journey. And to me, that was another important thing. Because I wanted them to know how, not how much they were, like, we wanted them, right? Because we do want them to know how much they are loved. But I also want them to know that they have guardian angels up there watching over them. And I know that they're up there watching over them. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to get emotional again because it's so special. Okay. Laurel, he shared her story about the stillbirth of her child shortly before her due date. You told us how you and your husband were able to strengthen your relationship during that time. I was wondering how you continue to honor your daughter. Would you mind sharing that with us? Totally. We did give her a name. We named her London Nicole. We just liked the name London. And Nicole was the name of a very, very dear friend who was like a sister. So that is her name. She was our oldest child, as I mentioned. And so just as our other children were born, I don't know. She's very much a part of our family. We talk about her. There have been a little handful of experiences where I have been very, very certain that she was present, including some with my other living daughter, which is interesting with all of my kids, but with my living daughter, we were in a car accident, a really bad car accident. My living daughter this is just one example. My living daughter was two. Her name is Lacey. Lacey Grace was two. It was the middle of the night. We were traveling to an airport to go to a funeral and we hit some black ice and, and had a really bad crash and she had not buckled in and I had not buckled her in. It was three in the morning. I just said, everybody buckle up. We're going to the airport. And she was tired and didn't buckle up. So she went flying from the back and she said later This was so interesting to me because I did not prompt this or think of it, but she said, mom, when I was flying, when I was going through the air, I felt arms go around me. And we just felt that that is just one of those times. That's a more dramatic time. There are also just very sweet, simple times when we have just felt like for one reason or another, she was present with us. And so honestly, she brings a lot of joy to our family and knowing about her, believing that she is still with us just in a different place that we'll be together again. Those are things that bring us a lot of peace and joy. After her birth, we had just a few little mementos. We had her blanket and a blessing dress that my sister had crocheted. And we had the little hat and a little lock of her hair and various small gifts that people had given us. And then pictures of me when I was pregnant with her toward the end and of her after she was born, us holding her and her at her memorial service. We just had kept all of those things and we wanted a place to store them. And we found this little box that has a little lamb carved into the top and it was the right size. And we thought it was beautiful. So her headstone also has a little lamb on top of it. Just because I don't grieve for her. Okay. I have to say this one other thing. About six or seven months after we lost her, and there was a lot of grief. So I do need to say, even though the Savior was lifting and loving and strengthening us, I felt like there was a time when I needed 
to start standing on my own. I don't know if this is true, but I, I felt that he had stepped back, not because he was distancing himself from me, but because he was wanting mm-hmm. me to re-strengthen my own legs and mm-hmm. to start to stand. And that was very painful. That piece was very, very painful and very lonely. Julie, you have channeled your energy to help mothers and families by providing access to the resources you weren't able to find during your journey through loss. Please tell us again about your nonprofit organization. It's part of my makeup to want to just naturally give back. When we were going through our losses, I felt like that was my happy place. And I worked with various different charities. But once our family was complete, I really wanted to serve couples who were just like us, those that have experienced that loss or those who may have had a stillbirth or early infant loss and give them the resources that they needed or they need that I wish I had. And that's when we founded our nonprofit, Operation Little Angel 101, Hope After Loss. And we not only have information out there, but more importantly, we provide cuddle boxes. And these cuddle boxes are actual tangible tools that couples can use. So when I mentioned I liked to color, I created a coloring book with various doulas around the United States. So it's a very peaceful thing. And we have other items, including a book that I helped write entitled Mom. Grief is a huge thing. And it's going to hit you sometime. 40 years later, maybe. I think sharing stories of mothers who have experienced those kind of losses, no matter what their path to that loss was, it's going to impact someone who's reading that. I really want to be able to help as many couples as we can. And we're currently 37 states and six countries. Our cuddle boxes have been delivered to, which is just mind-blowing to me. When I just think about the small little grassroots effort that started literally in my living room. So it's been an incredible journey to be able to see where we started from building the very first box and trying to figure out exactly what to put in it to see where we are now. Uh, I think the most important thing after a loss is that people want to be seen and heard. And when you acknowledge it, you're able to start that process of healing. Right. I've had several friends who've had stillbirths and it, it is devastating. And also Sid's three loss is devastating no matter what time it comes to a parent. There's a lot of things that people say trying to be comforting, but you just say, I love you and I'm sorry for your loss. I mean, what it's, else can you say that's better than that? You're there there's for nothing them. else better that you can say. And I heard a lot of crazy things after our losses. <laughs> it was that moment where you're able to channel your own grace, right? Because it wasn't about you. It was them. It's usually other people feeling uncomfortable and yes. not knowing what to say. They want to help and they think they're being helpful. Sometimes people want to give so much advice because they want to help, right? Especially in society of women, we're like, we want to help and fix everything. But at that moment, you can't. That is really critical that we remember that part. Laura Lee, what type of support was most helpful for you after your experience? That is a great question. Lovely, lovely people gave us books. They gave us books written by doctors, psychiatrists, professors, and I was grateful. But what I wanted more than anything was for somebody that had actually lived through it to tell me 
and to show me that I would be okay again. And that my life and my life with my husband and with my future family could be happy and beautiful. And that's where other mothers came in. All of these other mothers came in. I looked at them over time, you know, over a period of time. And I thought, wow, she, she's happy. She's not grieving. Her life seems rich, not without challenge, but their lives seemed blessed. And that also gave me a lot of courage. And they had additional children too, probably at that point. Yeah. So you knew mm -hmm. that there was children beyond the stillborn experience that you had. Yeah. Yeah. That gave yeah. Hope. That's totally true. I think a lot of times you're really sensitive if you've lost a child. You're sensitive to the idea that another child could be born and that they would ever take the place of the child that you lost. And they don't. But there is truth to the fact that if if you're blessed to have another child or to have other children when you to already have other children if you, when you lose a baby or to have children after the loss of a baby, they bring some very special gifts and they're their own unique gifts, but they are healing right. gifts. That is really beautiful too. It is really amazing to see other children in your life that are healers. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that you have been open with your subsequent children about their sister who is yeah. no longer physically in your family. And I think it's a very powerful and positive thing. And it helps them for their future experiences. You said you had a baby shower. And you mm -hmm. said you kept her blanket and some other special things in your box with the lamb on top. Were there any other items that were special for you that you were given? You know, people ask, like my siblings or people that are close to me, because lots of women and men, lots of families lose children and babies. So people ask, what would be a good gift that I could give? Or what's something I could do or give that would be meaningful. And for me, besides being there with a pair of arms wrapped around me, which was the greatest thing, there is nothing better for me than just being held and loved in that space. But second to that, for me, one of the most memorable gifts, and I don't think this is super unique, but some friends gave us this little flowering bush and they helped us plant it. And it was so fun to watch that bush grow and get bigger and more mature and develop these beautiful pink flowers. And it reminded me of just the growth of my daughter in another sphere, in another realm and space. And I, I loved that. So that was a very special, very treasured, treasured gift. Julie, thank you so much for sharing your story and your progress with your nonprofit. We will put this in the show notes too, so they will have this to contact and learn more about your organization. 
Yes, please visit operationlittleangel101.org and you can find us, become an ambassador if you would like to join our mission. And of course, send anyone a cuddle box or just look at the different resources that we do have available. We want to be able to give couples that strength and hope when they need it most. March being pregnancy after loss month is a perfect time for us to have this conversation. Grief has no timeline. When I had a submission for our book entitled Mom, a woman courageously telling about her story of a miscarriage that happened over 30 years ago. And when she sent it to me, I read it and I did tear up because I was reading it because it was twofold, right? One, that it felt so raw and in the moment. And this is something that happened 30 years ago. I was so grateful that she shared the story, but she also then thanked me. Because it gave her an avenue to finally start grieving. Because she felt like she never really had that moment before. And I'm so proud that she was so brave to share it. And that is where I love this mission to be able to share and decrease the stigma. And I'm grateful for the stars out there to be able to share their stories, whether it's Christy Teigen or Carrie Underwood or Meghan Markle. And everyone continuing to share is just going to make the stigma truly disappear, which is what my hope is in my lifetime. I think that would be really incredible to see. Laura Lee, as we were talking about ways to show support to families who've had a loss, you told us something that your family likes to do. Please share that. Something that our family has done, and I've loved doing this, is when someone loses a loved one, our family has started to donate a day of service or an hour of service or whatever we have to a cause that is important to the family. And that's actually been so healing for us and so fun for my family to just say, we want to dedicate a day of our lives to honoring the memory of your loved one. Is there something special that they loved that we could maybe participate in to honor her or him? Or if not, we can choose something and then we'll write to you and tell you how it felt. And that has actually been really profoundly beautiful for us. We've got to go into spaces and places and have experiences that we might otherwise have missed out on as a family. And it's a way that we also honor our child again and again. And we feel close to her. We're doing that. So that is love a, that. that's a beautiful idea. That's special. I think a lot of people would appreciate adopting that. And I know the people who you're honoring, their family has to be Mm -hmm. thoughtfulness and you're willing to devote some of your time and service. Thank you to Julie Cangiolosi and Laura Lee Hill for joining me on the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast during the month of pregnancy after loss. During the last two episodes, we've talked about neonatal pregnancy loss and stillbirth, the grief and growth that accompanies these experience and the joys of pregnancy after loss. Please remember to reach out to those who have experienced loss and extend to them your support. And to those who have experienced a loss, please give yourself grace and embrace the love and support of others. Thank you for being with us.
Before we go, we want to invite you to tune in in two weeks from today where we are bringing on a special guest, Sharon Leno, and we are going to talk a little bit about caregiving, which we all do as mothers, but sometimes that extends into our adult years where we're caring for people who have been through surgery or a spouse or a parent or even children with special needs. So stay tuned for some caregiving tips that will help you as a mom and help you help others who are going through caregiving for extended periods of time. Hi, I am thrilled today that we have Meg Johnson with us. Welcome, Meg. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Do you have some stories about kindness you'd like to share with us? I do. I want to share the very first time that it was clear to me how important kindness is. There's a quote by Margaret Nadal. She said, there are enough women who are coarse. We need women who are kind. But in high school, it is not very popular to be kind because, but you don't want to be mean either. You don't want to be the mean girl because the mean girl isn't cool. Nobody likes her. She's snotty. She's bratty. Like she's just off in her own land. But you don't want to be too nice because then people sort of walk all over you. That's not cool. So kind of like a really happy medium is like passive aggressive, unkind. If you can be just unkind enough to be cool, just unkind enough to have people respect you because they don't want you to be passive aggressively rude to them. You know, you don't want to be all out rude, just rude enough that it kind of cute, kind of sweet, kind of sassy. That's who you are. And that's how I was in high school. And I, I was always like that. And so I was also on a dance team outside of school. And we had a choreographer. And sometimes this choreographer, he would invite other choreographers to bring their dancers over to learn a dance with us that we would perform. And this was not uncommon that this would happen. I hated it when he invited this one particular dance company to come over and dance with us because they had a dancer who looked like me. She and I, we both were the same height. We both had the same kind of average build. Neither one of us were like tall and slender dancers. And we weren't one of the short petite dancers either. We were just like average build, five foot six dancers, just regular old girls. And we both had brown short hair. <laughs> and when you have a dancer who looks like you and is the same height as you, without question, everybody already knows that they are in competition with you already for that spot, the better spot in the dance. Because you know that the choreographers aren't going to put the two of you together. And they're going to put one of you in the good spot and one of you in the bad spot, or at least farther away. Anyway, I didn't like this dance company. I didn't like this girl. I didn't want her in my dance hall with my dancers in my dance. And she was not preferred at all. But we were learning a dance together. And we got a break. We got to go out and get a drink. And so everyone went out in the hallway to go get a drink. And I was the last one. And so I got my drink and I was coming back. Uh, it was kind of a bigger entryway kind of hallway. And I was coming back through that to go back into the dance hall. And this girl had sat down on a bench to fix her shoe just outside the dance hall door. I was coming toward the door and I saw her sitting there and it was just me and it was just her. And I was going to take this one-on-one -on -one experience to remind her who was the queen of this dance hall and whose dance hall this was and whose dance this was and who was the better dancer and who was the bigger dancer and who was the cooler dancer. And it was me. 
And I was going to tell her this with my passive aggressive unkindness, because I was very good at being passive aggressively unkind and just a little bit rude, just a little sassy, because that was the way you could do it if you were cool. And so I stopped and I was just going to forget her name. And I knew her name. I knew what her name was. I had seen her so many times. I knew what her name was. And we had been in a play together and she had gotten the lead role and I did it. I knew her name. So I was just going to pretend like I forgot it. We just know how to be kind. We know how to be unkind. You know, we don't need statistics, but this was a long before the seven habits of highly effective people. And we learned that to a person, their name is the most beautiful sound in any language. Their name's the most beautiful sound to them. But all I knew was that it was rude to forget someone's name. And I wanted to be just rude enough to let her know who is in charge here and who is the bigger person. And so I went up and I was like, oh, I'm so happy that you and your cute little dancers decided to come and dance with us. We love when you guys come. It's so fun. I just forgot your name. Would you mind reminding me what your name is? Just letting her know who was cool, who was big, who was bad, who was awesome. And it was me. And she looked up at me and she smiled and she told me her name. And you know, it's been so long. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. I honestly cannot remember her name anymore. But she told me her name and then she added, and you're Meg, I could never forget you. You're unforgettable. I went back into that dance hall and I couldn't look in the mirrors. I couldn't, I couldn't look at my reflection in the dance mirrors as we continued to dance. Because every time I looked at myself in the mirror, I thought, is that who I am? Is that who I tried to be? Someone who went out of their way to put someone else just a little bit down so that I could feel a little bit up? Is that who I am? Like, really? There's a quote, I can't remember who it was, but he said, strong men can always afford to be gentle. Only the weak are intent on giving as good as they get. I had gone out of my way to show this girl who was the better girl. And I succeeded. I succeeded in showing her who was the better girl because it was her. She was bigger, she was badder, she was cooler. And I'll never forget her. I'll never forget her and how she went out of her way to build me up when I had gone out of my way, obviously, out, I was not sly. I had gone obviously out of my way to put her down. I hope that none of us, or not many of us anyway, have an experience like this where we have to learn the hard way like I did. I hope whoever's listening to this podcast can learn from this horrible mistake that I made and that you don't have to be somebody who, who puts someone else down to lift yourself up. You can be strong and you can be extra kind when people are extra unkind and you can be extra loving when you are not shown love just like this girl. Be like her, not like me, be like her. So that is my story on kindness today. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom to mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. 
The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.